Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Sergio, you're muted. God bless America. <laughs> yes, hello, critical. I assume your your name is short for critical. It's it's the Almighty Critical. The Almighty Critical <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Dungeons Dragons Lorecast. I'm your host, the Almighty Crit, and joining me, as always, is my fellow host and wonderful person and human being. Sergio! Everything you said is almost accurate. I'm not always joining you. Oh, it's okay. All right. But Most I am wonderful, and I am also a human being. <laughs> I forgot what else you said, but I'm pretty sure it was accurate. Um, welcome to episode 100. I was asked by a... Um, by a layman friend of mine, if we're going to do anything special, like a retrospective or anything. And I was like, nah, man, we're just going to, we're going to lore. That's what we're here for. We're here to lore. We're here to lore. Um, but yeah, we will have some fun stuff planned for the middle of the show. We have a couple of big announcements to make. Uh, some uh, thank you. Uh, Agent Indi- Indiana says happy centennial. I think I know who that is. And I uh, think I half the time I don't like him. I think he's my DM in um, <laughs> in one of my one of my campaigns. Um, but if that is if that is you, sir, uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, he's he's always pulling some some shenanigans and tricks. Uh, nothing uh, nothing that I wouldn't do myself. Really, being a DM is a uh, is a thankless and not always thankless. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a difficult job. It's a difficult job because your job is to, um, make the game as challenging and fun as possible. And, and sometimes players don't appreciate that. I know I, I, I always don't. I call, this is what, this is what I call the DMs. Okay. The DMs of any tabletop game are the moms of the group. Okay. <clears throat> Hear me out. Okay. Moms have to be super and they have to do everything. That is exactly what a DM has to do the whole game. 
you have to do the voices, you have to be the NPCs, you have to progress the story, you have to make sure everybody's following the rules, you have to create new things when people are like, ooh, I want to do this. Okay, well, I got to get creative now. You have to do so many things. You're basically the mom of the DMD group. That's what it is. That's not that's not wholly inaccurate. I think it's pretty smart. Um, Mary Sybil's also in chat. Congratulates us on our hundredth episode. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously like the, the the two of us have not been around for the hundred episodes. We uh, we've been doing this for going on seven eight months now. But um, you know, it was it's it's been it's for that amount of time. It's been a blast. It's been so much fun. And even before that, you know, we we're part of the community which is, you know, mostly I would guess why, um, why Stuart and Tom decided to hand the reins over to us uh, because, you know, we, uh, they felt that the show would be in good, in good hands uh, with the two of us uh, and how wrong they were. No, uh, totally we're, having, we're having a blast and we're, and we're, we just want to keep the uh, show growing and keep going, but enough about that. We'll talk about uh, more hundred episode stuff here in a little bit. Let's get down to some nitty gritty lore. So Sergio. Uh, yes. It's the 100th episode. <clears throat> it is. And we've talked about a lot of lore over the last couple months. Just you and I. So what topic can we talk about this episode? The 100th episode that will set it apart from all the other episodes. What do you got for us? Well, I want it because it's sort of like a like a landmark episode. I wanted, you know, as we look into the future of D and D Lorecast, I thought, why not look into the past of Dungeons and Dragons? Why don't we take a look at some of the first characters ever created? What? And you know, some of these characters that you may know the name of, but you don't necessarily know their history. Uh, you know their name because they have. Uh, spells named after them you have spells such as tensor's floating disc or melf's acid arrow or big b's insert superlative here hand uh big b's yeah like a dozen hand spells which is good like he found his niche he like definitely found what he uh what he was good at nobody else uh, wanted but to do the hand stuff everyone's like you got hands or maybe he like he's like no hands are mine no one else does hands so that's my thing um so, yeah feet. we're gonna be talking about uh you can do feet i don't care but hands are mine uh we're gonna be talking about tensor uh big b and melf this episode like I said, some of the old schools, some of the, um, and in Tensor's case, arguably the oldest D&D character of all time. When Gary Gygax was like playtesting the original D&D rules, he, they rolled up a character, a, a wizard named Tensor, which is an anagram of both his and his son's name, Ernest. And so um, his daughter also rolled up a character. I, I couldn't find, figure out who, what character that, that was, or if that character, you know, I think that it stood the test of time as Tensor has. But so arguably Tensor is, like I said before, the oldest character uh, in the history, in the history of the game. So we've got a, a human wizard, uh, 16th level wizard, also a fifth level archmage. They're always dressed in blue. It's just like the girl from that dashboard confessional song. And if you get <laughs> that reference, then we should be friends. Anyway, 
Um, yeah, Tensor is an Archmage from Greyhawk, uh, always wearing blue. Like I said, he's created by Gary Gygax's son, uh, Ernie or Ernest, which uh, Tensor is an anagram of that name. Uh, and this is from the Greyhawk Folk Feuds and Factions sourcebook from Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It describes Tensor as such. He is polite, quick-witted, and gregarious. He enjoys conversation and likes entertaining guests in his home. He is the strongest proponent for causes of law and good within the circle of eight. He is known to be slightly disrespectful of the rights of others in such matters, being quite ready to use the gayest spell to force others into serving those causes dear to his heart. He is also aggressive when roused and uses offensive spells in combat immediately when this is feasible. So, uh, like I mentioned, he is a member of the Circle of Eight, as well as the Citadel of Eight. And we will actually have a bonus Patreon episode on the uh, Citadel slash Circle of Eight next week, where I will dive in depth into their adventures and misadventures. But for right now, uh, sort of think of them as... Uh, like the Dungeons and Dragons Avengers or the D&D Justice League, like sort of like the like the big heavy hitters from all throughout the realm. Uh, he lives in the Fortress of Unknown Depths, which is a few, day, a few days ride from the free city of Greyhawk. Uh, he is best known for, like I said, he, those spells that are named after him. Uh, spells that in canon... Um, it can be assumed that he created them, you know, um, they're just not like, you know, you know, they're obviously they're named for a reason. They're named after him for a reason. So you could uh, argue that they're named after him because he's the one who you created them. Uh, but yeah, you got uh, like tensors transformation and tensors floating disc are probably the two most popular. Uh, he does have several more, Lesser known, but mm-hmm. I think just as cool spells. Uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of them, a couple that I, I particularly enjoy. Uh, one of them is uh, Tensor's Deadly Strike. I like how there's a dashboard confessional like chat going on, like <laughs> discussion going on in the chat right now. Um, Tensor's Deadly Strike. Uh, like I said before, he's very he's offensive minded as a wizard which is kind of unique in that, you know, wizards are usually um, like defensive or, um, you know, they sort of like um, play the role of, um, you know, of either defense or sort of uh, ranged attacks, if, if anything. But, um, you know, sort of not, not like attack, but sort of like to slow the, uh, slow the opponent down, slow the enemy down or perhaps like charm them, you know, sort of like get them out of the battle. Like not, not really offensive, but it's like a, like a defensive offensive sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But Tetra's Deadly Strike kind of plays into his reputation as being more offensive minded. This spell improves the martial prowess of the caster. Every successful melee attack does maximum damage to the target. And these aren't exactly, these are from uh, an advanced Dungeons and Dragons book. A lot of these spells haven't been converted to fifth edition and so these this isn't verbatim the text from the book but i'm kind of explaining it in a way as best to to convert it to fifth edition if you want to include it Mm -hmm. so for tensor deadly strike it's a spell that 
you know, when you have a successful melee attack, you automatically roll max damage, which is pretty dope because there's nothing worse than like nailing them with like an 18 or 19, like plus, you know, bonus. And then like, oh man, it's a definite hit. And then you roll damage like, oh, it's two. So you get this like definite hit, but it's only two points of damage. I always hate that. Or when Um, you roll a crit and you uh, roll both ones. Oh, I've never done that. I've, I, you must have you must have angered some dice gods I at some point in your life. That's never happened to me. Um, but also, there's another one uh, called Tensor's Fortunes of War. Uh, this one's cool. It says it, the the text says that this spell grants one fighter a bonus of special luck in battle. Uh, a spell. You know uh, that's that's how it's written in advanced dungeons and uh, in advanced Dungeons and Dragons. They you know it can only be cast on fighters, but when you're converting it to fifth edition, you know I I, I argue it can be used on any class because it doesn't really um, like in the text itself. It doesn't really give any particular reason why it's just fighters. Like this is um, this is a spell that sort of like it it sort of acts like a get out of jail free card Mm, yeah like any attack that would so let's say i cast it on you any attack that would drop you drop your hp to zero or under instead you only take half damage and so like i said there's nothing really um like any any player any any player class can can take a, a huge hit like that you know, where the monster's dice just, you know, as opposed to getting those like two ones that you were talking about earlier, they get all sixes or all eights. And you're like, okay, you, that's a hit. And that's 34 points of damage. And you're like, what? That's, I had 30, I had 30 points left. Like, I guess I'm dead. Well, that 34 becomes 17. It becomes half of what, half of what it was. And so you get that special luck in battle. Uh, what's also cool about this is that it can be used by uh, it can be used by a player to avoid being charmed or frightened or uh, paralyzed or anything uh, any sort of spell or um, enchantment that would effectively remove them from battle. Uh, this also includes power word or any other instant death spells. So you have, you know, you have someone in your party saying, like, I'm going to go confront this, you know, arch lich by myself. Like, you guys go and save the princess. <laughs> uh, you know, somebody could cast Tensor's Fortune of War on that, on that person, on that player, and could end up saving their lives. So like I said, like what I liked about it is, you know, about those two um, individual spells is they show, uh, you know, Tensor's range. Obviously, like he has an offensive spell and also he has something that could help his teammates as well as help his party. I like, as I, uh, I started on second edition. So a lot of these spells are near and dear to my heart. I liked the fact that back in second edition, you had a lot of spells that could best other spells. 
I feel like as time has progressed, we've gotten a lot of that taken away because now power word kill and things like that are very, very, very powerful. And there's not a lot that can stop them. Right. So I feel like we lost some of that in the transition of time. And it kind of hurts, especially with, you know, a lot of tensor spells. Ugh. I, there's so many to love. I mean, you've got, you've got the staff of smiting, which doesn't sound very cool, but it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> very like, much like, is. <laughs> yeah, like he's, he's there's at least, you know, a dozen or so. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot. I mean, my favorite is steady aim. Honestly, it's really great for you being a ranger. Yep, Somebody yep. cast that on you. It's fantastic. But like I said, I, I, I hope in the future, wink, wink, looking at you, Wizards of the Coast, some of these get brought back. <laughs> I mean, like I said, there's, you know, um, obviously there's, there is some conversion to be made um, in the original text to, to make it applicable to fifth edition, but it's, it's not hard. I mean, if I, if a dummy like me can do it. Oh uh, yeah. I better believe I've already done it. But no players ever asked for these. So I'm like, you know what? If you don't know about them, that's on you. <laughs> it's on you. Um, uh, poor tensor, however, was actually murdered, mm-hmm. uh, during the Greyhawk wars by Rary, another member of the circle of eight with the assistance, uh, supposedly with the assistance uh, from another one of the another one of the oldest characters in the game, Robilar, a human fighter, but it was not in fact Robilar. It was Robilar's evil twin, and uh, so and then also Tensor is brought back to life. Although when he's brought back to life, uh, he's they ask him if they want he wants to take his like seat back on the on the circle of eight, and he's like, Nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. i'm all right that's my favorite part of the whole story now i'm good (laughs) now i'm good not that uh but yeah robolar is cool robolar was uh created by robert kuntz who uh plays into the next character we're going to talk about big b because he also created big b so let's go ahead uh speaking of robolar let's talk about big b like I said, they're both created by Robert Kuntz, who is, uh, you know, whose name is everywhere in the early days of D&D. Bigby started off as just some low-level NPC wizard um, with an evil alignment in the early dungeons of Greyhawk. He run, Bigby runs into Gygax's character, Mordekainen, who I am cosplaying as right now. Uh, who uh, Mordecai and Stewart and Tom covered him back in March of 2021, episode 49. So they lock horns. They 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 lock uh, staffs. They lock wands. They lock robes. Whatever it is that uh, wizards do, they wizard fight. Um, they engage in combat. Uh, Mordecai, obviously, like you know, uh, Bigby at this point is a low-level wizard. Uh, Mordecai easily subdues him using a charm spell, and forcing Bigby to become his servant. So at this point, Robert Kunz, uh rules that Bigby would be Mordecai's servant as long as he remained under that charm spell. 
but until Gygax through role playing has won Bigby's loyalty, which he ends up, uh, which or until he does that, the the play uh, Bigby would remain as an NPC under Kunt's control. That is exactly how it happened until after several adventures and a very long time. Uh, Mordecai convinces Bigby to leave his evil ways behind. And he essentially becomes like a hero, becomes uh, he joins the circle slash Citadel of Eight. Um, and he is a wizard second only to Mordecai and himself. He, uh, you know, he again, like like Tensor and Mordecai and are responsible for a ton of spells. Bigby's are all like hand related, which not exactly there's nothing in canon to explain why he's obsessed with hands uh maybe he just like had a had a knack for him but um but yeah so big b uh uh to a powerful wizard second only to mordecanon um and um for a time after this in fact uh robert kunst uh said that all of mordecanon's future uh like servants and henchmen uh, their names had to rhyme with Bigby. So you had, let's see here, uh, you had Zigby, the dwarf, Rigby, the cleric, Sigby, Sigby uh, Gribison, uh, the fighter, uh, who was Bigby's, uh, and then Nigby, who is Bigby's uh, apprentice, and Digby, who eventually replaced Bigby as Mordecai's new apprentice. So, like, so let's. Uh, Let's kind of. I think that there is a uh, an idea that um, like old D and D was like super serious and like like oh so dour, but this is proof positive that they're pretty silly. Like they they can have some fun too. I mean, let's be honest. Okay, Big B as a name is just hilarious. To then turn around and make all your characters after that named or rhyme with Big B, it truly shows how much they are just like us when they played. I mean, not to mention the hand spells. Come on. The hand spells. I mean, (laughs) at the point where it's like, okay, like I want to make up a spell where like a giant hand shows up and like punches the guy. (laughs) And it's like, okay, that's actually a pretty cool spell. He's like, now I want to make a spell where a giant hand shows up and, and does this like, Okay, like also cool. And then like after the 10th or 12th time, like, all right, this is just getting ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm sure they're like cracking themselves up. Like, oh, let's do this and let's do this. Uh... Um, but yeah, so uh, he's most famous for his series of Big B's, like, yeah, like I said, fill in the blank hand spells that have, you know, show, that have been around since the days of uh, early days of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh it, like I said, it quite literally summons a gigantic magical magical hands for wizards to control. You know, um, for those of you who um, are fans of Vox Machina, the uh, the bard uses um, uh, like a version of that. I don't know if it's, I can't remember if that's exactly um, if it's called uh, Bigby's like floating hand, but it's uh, essentially the same 
you know, the same spell, whether or not it's called the same thing. Uh, Scanlan. Yes, text 10 starts as Scanlan uses big views. Okay, so, yeah, and so it's, you know, it's stood the test of time. Um, but you have um, several of the spells have been, like, wrapped into one for 5th edition. And so you can, so it's kind of like one spell, but can produce, like, um, uh, it's, it can produce different effects, like clenched fist or crushing hand or interposing hands. Like they used to be like various spells and now they kind of like, kind of like lumped into one. But uh, yeah, like, so like, again, Bigby's again, proof that, you know, D and D is supposed to be fun and, and goofy and sort of irreverent. I love Bigby, honestly, because he proves the point. He drives home the point of D and D does not always have to be serious. You don't always have to have a serious character to be a badass. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. So who do we have up next? Well, we have the middle of the show up next. And when we come back, we will talk about Melf. Dun, dun, dun. The moment we've all been waiting for. The middle of the show. The middle of the show. Burr, burr, burr. All right, Sergio. Well, before we get into our announcements, text uh, text Instar wanted uh, was asking if we had talked about D and D Beyond. How they are now officially part of Wizards of the Coast. Before, like it was sort of like a um, you know approved vendor of sorts <laughs> you know um but now like they are whole and parcel which i hope it brings about the day i've been hoping for where i can buy digital i can buy physical and digital print uh combos like i just i want to be i and i don't need a huge discount but i don't <laughs> i don't want to also have to buy the books twice at the same time see what i'm looking forward to is everyone who uses D&D Beyond for their lovely little characters now and their campaigns has the ability now, soon, fingers crossed, to utilize the homebrew books you've bought from D&D Beyond to implement those things into your game actively in D&D Beyond. You know, you, before you had to plug and play and create a whole new, you know, thing. <laughs> and, and This means that new races will be introduced to D&D Beyond, uh, you know, hopefully. You know, new races will be introduced. Playtesting of other, you know, games will be introduced. New campaigns will become possibly canon to the D&D universe. I mean, the realm of possibilities is endless when it comes to this. And honestly, I welcome it. And text uh, brings up possibly uh, creating their own virtual tabletop. True, true. Like I said, the possibilities are completely endless. The way I picture this going for them, though, is the first thing they're going to do is start drafting and playtesting all of these different books and campaigns and races and bringing them into the D&D Beyond catalog. I also would like, uh, I want some VR, man. <laughs> I want to play D&D in freaking virtual reality. They have that. They have that, sir. It's not the I mean, same, I want it's not the same. I, I want like I want it like done very well though. <laughs> I want like a lot of money thrown behind it. Um, well, maybe we'll get some more information on that 
Mm. We'll get some more information on maybe some other things mm. next week. Got an email in our email box from Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast. They have a special announcement, a special stream next Thursday, next Thursday morning. And so I know what I will be doing instead of working um, <laughs> is I'll be paying attention to that. And uh, of course, we'll post a link to that in the Discord, mm-hmm. uh, the Robots Radio Network Discord, which if you're not a member, please join. Uh, we have a lot of fun there. Uh, Crit and myself are constantly in the uh, the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast uh, channel, uh, talking, being dumb, saying funny stuff, posting memes. Memes. Um, yeah, and also you can find us on Twitter uh, at DND Lorecast. You can shoot us an email at dndlorecast at gmail.com. And if you are interested, you can go to patreon.com slash dndlorecast and join the fine folks such as Remington Cloutier, Tex Tinstar, Jonathan S., Wolf the Sheepdog, Daniel P., Coffee Husky, Climbing Zebra, Jaco H., The Dog Indy, and Bjorn Ironside. Those fine folks um, are gracious enough to support the show financially. If you're able to do so, if you're interested in doing so, you can go to our Patreon website and uh, anywhere from five to a hundred bucks a month will get you all sorts of cool gifts and swag and goodies mm-hmm. and helps make this show bigger. Like we all, everything that we get goes into back into the show. Um, uh, you know, I, I, the fact that I, that we're doing this at all is uh, amazing to me. Um, but the fact that we, uh, that there are some folks out there who, you know, spend their hard earned gold to help make the show that much bigger uh, is even more humbling. Uh, and then of course, if you're not in a position to do that, if you still want to support the show, uh, word of mouth, you know, retweet us, let your friends know, let your enemies know, uh, you know, think about it. Like if you walk up to somebody, it's like, look, man, I don't like you and you don't like me, but there's a podcast called the D and D Lorecast that I know you'd love. And it means that much to me that you know about it. Like they'd probably listen to it. Think about it. Makes sense. <laughs> It makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, it does, but I don't know. I mean, if, if my buddy's my like, oh, hey, there's like a that. show you should like. There's a show you're going to like. You should listen to it. You're would, like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. I would but probably if throw, my enemy told me that? I don't know. I would probably throw a paper airplane at my enemy and not be anywhere near them. That's what I'm saying. If they made the point to come and talk to me and tell me this, I'd be like, man, like that seemed very important. Do you, do you like D&D? Check yes or no, and then throw it back. <laughs> I was never good at paper airplanes. Ah, uh, so announcement number one. Let's go. Um, let's go with the one that it's. I mean, we've we've discussed it. There's been like rumors going around, but uh, we are 100 episodes in, which means we have roughly 100 magical items of the week. Mm. So we are announcing. We are in the process of creating. A D&D Lorecast Magic Items yes. book that will be available on DMs Guild. Uh, I've gone, I've gone through the process of you know going through all the episodes and and getting all the magical items that Tom discussed, all the magic items that Crit has discussed, even the couple that I've thrown in there. And uh, we're going to be reaching out to artists that um, that 
we're friends with, you know, friends of the show. Mm-hmm. And if you are an artist or you know someone who would, uh, you know, be interested in working with this project, like I say, hit us up, hit us up on the on Twitter, hit us up on a, on our uh, email. Um, and like I said, like the, the money to, from the Patreon is going to go to commission this art. And so like when I say like all that money goes to making you know, the show bigger and better, that's what we mean. And so hopefully this will be out by um, hopefully in the next few months or so. It just depends on uh, how quickly we can get everything uh, formatted and all that. And we'll we'll throw it up on DMs Guild with the, uh, as a pay what, pay what you want and just let it stand there as a testament that we were here and we have magic items. And we did it. We did it. <laughs> I don't know. So that is announcement the first. Announcement the first. So an onto announcement the second. Sergio. We've been hinting at wanting to do something special for the community for a while. And something that's going to give back, right? Right. So you and I have discussed what can we do to give back to the community and do something good. For the world. And we have decided that we are going to do a charity drive. A charity raffle? Yes. So this, the charity that we've picked to do this for is none other than the Critical Role Foundation. Uh, we liked their message. We liked their message. We liked their mission. We just love them. So we wanted to make sure that we could give so much to them and so much back to you. So the way this is going to work is Sergio is going to have the details and I'm going to hold up the prizes. So I'm going to throw it to Sergio to give us all the juicy details of how to enter, how to participate and what you get for what. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to be raffling off a copy of the core rule books the box set that includes the dm screen so a copy of the player's handbook a copy of use your muscles lift it up copy of the player's handbook a copy of the monster manual and a copy of the dungeon master's guide in a nice slip case like i said include the dm screen we'll be giving away a copy of tasha's cauldron of everything as well i might have to turn i might have to turn my Hold on just a second. I'm going to turn off my virtual background. So you guys can see the studio and the McDonald's bag behind me. Don't pay attention to that. (laughs) (laughs) It's your cheat day. It's my cheat day. All right. So what do we got? We got the, oh, the big core rules, the core rule book box set, a copy of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, Mm -hmm. a copy of Mordekainen's Tome of Foes. A copy of Fizbin's Treasury of Dragons. Uh, that one's here. Oh my gosh. The, the books are getting so much lighter now. A copy of Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Ooh. And last but not least, a copy of Volo's Guide to Monsters. I feel like Vanna White. <laughs> you look like Vanna White. If she was bald. <laughs> I so, mean, oh my gosh. I just got to hold up this entire stack here and demonstrate how thick this is. Look at that. So we're giving away eight books, essentially the 
entire like rule book set as as it as they have it right now um uh yeah i mean like yeah eight D D books uh we will be raffling off tickets uh i believe we decided on uh one ticket for uh five dollars or no one ticket for four dollars mm-hmm. three and all of this will be posted on the discord as well as our twitter so for all uh, for all the details and all that uh one ticket for four dollars three tickets for ten dollars and I think that's about it. Yeah, you get one ticket mm-hmm. for four and three for ten. And you can uh, send that to. You can buy tickets. Send it to uh, to myself either through uh, Venmo or through uh, Cash App. Uh, if you want to send it through PayPal as well, that's also fine. Like I said, just um, all the all the details will be available in the show notes of the podcast. Also available on our Twitter. Mm-hmm. Also available on the uh, Discord. This giveaway, this raffle, will be going on through the end of June. So we'll have an episode on Thursday, June thirtieth. At the end of that day, you know that'll be like kind of like our final push. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of that day, the raffle will be closed, and we will announce a winner on uh, the episode of August seventh. And so, like I said, like each ticket gives you a chance to win. It's, a, it's your basic raffle. Yeah. And then uh, all of every single, all the proceeds from that raffle will go to the Critical Role Foundation. Every single dollar. Like, you know, the the shipping, like all the books, the books have been paid for. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, we books are, books are, you know, done, you know, paid for, good to go. The shipping will be paid for by us as well. Uh, like I said, every single cent goes to the Critical Role Foundation. Yep which is an amazing cause. Uh, you know, like, I think it's just so cool that, um, that folks are using, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role-playing games to, to make the world a better place, which, you know, I always thought it was possible, but never thought I'd, I'd see the day, but it's so cool that it's happening. And, and we just, we want to help out as much as we can as well. Yep. Honestly, I'm excited I and highly, highly anticipate um, a big turnout with this, and we will keep you up to date with the numbers as and when we go. Um, but I'm really hoping we can give a huge sum of money to this this foundation, this great cause, and I'm hoping in the future we can continue to do big things like this, not only for you guys as the fans, but to charities worldwide. You know, this is. When I first started talking to Sergio about this, I that's that was my objective with the D&D Lorecast, with all of the shows that I run, is to somehow give back to the community, not just through smiles or entertainment, but we want to give back something more. And we're going to continue to push and push to give back as much as we possibly can, you know? As we get bigger, so will the pushes to give, you know, more charitably. Because without you all and without, you know, giving, none of us would be here. So, you know, we got to help out each other as much as we can. You got to help each other out. Mm-hmm. Just like just like uh, Mordecai and help out Big B. Let's you let's know? let's get real, okay? Morning Canaan helped out a lot of people. <laughs> well, I'm saying like, you know, Bigby was an evil wizard. Oh yeah. And then he ended up becoming one of the, you know, Circle of Eight. Yeah. Start left his evil ways behind. So, 
that was the excitement that I was. I mean, I was excited about the items. Don't get me wrong. I'm really excited. But I'm more excited about this. Oh, no, for sure. Like this is near dear to my heart. So this has been uh, this has been months in the planning for sure. Yeah. And Sergio made me wait. I was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> or I was like, I was just like, oh, let's let's announce it for the hundredth episode. That'd be fun. It wasn't, though, because I had to wait. <laughs> you did have to wait. You've had those books for a while. I have for a very long time. We wanted to make sure they were here and we could show them off. It's we wanted to make sure everything was in in gear mode to just go. But I had to sit on these and I had to sit on the surprise this whole time. I'm not happy with you, Sir Joe. Well, now you're happy with now you can be I'm happy, happy with it's, you. Again. It's out there. People can start uh, can start, you know, uh, hope, you know, buying the tickets, hoping they win. And even if you don't win, you know, you know, your money is going to an awesome cause. Mm, yeah. So fingers crossed. Um, we have some more surprises uh, moving forward with this charity event. Fingers crossed and some things. We've reached out to some people and hopefully we can have some really exciting stuff for you guys planned coming soon during this charity event. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, keep your ears I guess, open. Yeah. And we're going to have uh we're going to be running for two and a half months. So you never know what we, mm-hmm. what sort of tricks we have up our sleeves. <laughs> but mm-hmm. anyway, like do you have anything for our DMs corner? Of course I do. Speaking of Ooh. tensor, uh, speaking of tensor, you know, uh, we've been talking about tensor a whole lot. You know, Brian Davis did some, did a lot of thinking about tensor. That's why he created, that's why he wrote tensor's terrific tome of talents which for $5.99 on the DMs Guild, you can own for yourself. It is a, uh, it includes two to three new subclasses for each class, which is like huge. I mean, like for, um, usually it's, you know, for one or two different classes or, you know, one to two to three new subclasses total. Uh, This is for each class. Uh, Variant subclasses for those that were too strong or too weak. Uh, variant spells, uh, as well as 37 new spells, including two ninth level spells, 17 new feats, new pa- new potions, and much, much more. For $5.99, it's, uh, it's, you know, a lot of bang for your buck. And uh, yeah, that's my, that's my pick of the week. You know, it's something that, um, that could definitely benefit uh, any campaign, for sure. And of course, there is a link to it in the chat. And it is obviously, for those of you listening to the uh, audio podcast of this, it is in the show notes. Ooh. We had a lot of announcements in the middle of the show. It's a big, <laughs> this is a pretty big middle. Yeah. It's a pretty big middle. It's very middly, very large. Ha. Right. Are we ready to jump to the end of the episode? Let's go. We still got to talk about Prince Bright Flame. We still got a magic item of the week. Oh, let's do it. Ah! That scream, it melts your heart every time. It melts your heart. I don't know that it (laughs) melts my heart. I mean, I like it. I mean, Uh, I'm I'm in love with it. I'm in love with it. I'm in love with it. So... We discussed how Tensor's name came about because it's an anagram of the person who created him, Ernest. Uh, now let's talk about how the elven wizard, Melf, got their name. 
Um, mm. It was because, and this is, um, I'm not sure if this has been completely confirmed, but the lore states that the character sheet did not have a name. Instead, it just had a simple description of the character, which was M for male and then elf. So the character sheet said M elf. And they're like, that's a perfect name. Let's just call him Melf. (laughs) So also known as Prince Brightflame, Melf is a elven wizard that is played by another one of uh, Gary Gygax's children. I mean, really and truly, like how he got all his kids to play D&D, I've got to figure it out somehow. I've got to, I got to ask them, like, did he, did he bribe you? Did he promise you extra dessert? Listen. I got all my kids to play D and can like if I describe the game to them, they're like, "Oh, that sounds cool." But then as we get, get playing, they're like, "Like, uh, I want to watch TikTok. Like, I want to watch YouTube videos. I want to watch Sniper Wolf. React to it's like the most like you know Black Mirror type. Or you're watching a video of a person re- watching a video. I don't get it. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just being an old man. I'm just being an old man. Quit being a cranky wish, old man, Sergio. I just wish that my kids would play D&D with me. Dang it. Is that too much to ask? Um, so, um, yeah. So, like I said, never intended that his name be Melf. Instead, like the uh, the character sheet states M. Elf on it. And so they just sort of like, you know, like went from there. So he is a... Uh, He's a gray elven archmage, um, originally a player of Lucian Gygax. He is a uh, native of the elven kingdom of Selene and is recognized by many as the leader of the Light Knights of Luna. And uh, he is also, uh, he stands the test of time through, um, I'd say the most famous two are Melf's Acid Arrow as well as Melf's uh, minute meteors which are two like you know especially acid arrows like you know a lower level spell but one that like like sort of you know it get you like to use a phrase from earlier it, it, you get a lot of bang for your buck with acid arrow i believe mm-hmm. big time uh prince bright flame is a strong believer in meditation diplomacy and open communication um so he's you're kind of uh he's in some ways your stereotypical elf, but also in some ways sort of like bucks that bucks the tradition, you know, whereas most more most elves, you know, uh would rather keep to themselves and let the um and you know, in their opinion, like lesser races sort of squabble amongst themselves. Melf is interested in diplomacy and and trying to, you know, um coexist with the other races. Uh, he enjoys good food, culture, and uh, he is very knowledgeable and experienced. Um, he, uh, there is a, uh, a character in Greyhawk who um, I believe it's pronounced Ayuz. He I is. I think so, yeah. Uh, Ayuz or Ayuz. He's a half fiend or uh, he's a basically like the son of a, dem- a demon lord, <laughs> and also uh, he's the son of the demon lord Abyss, 
as well. Uh, and that's his dad. And his mom is none other than Tasha under the name of Ig- uh, Igwal. So Ayuz is um, not like the big bad of Greyhawk, but he's he's definitely like up there, you know. He's definitely in the rogues gallery. And so Melf in, Melf in particular has taken um, sort of like a strong stance against him. Um, he's never been a member of the, the aforementioned Citadel of Eight or Circle of Eight, but he's like, you know, he's, he's, he's on pretty good terms with them. You know, he's, he's he like kind of like Spider-Man. I mean, depending on what you think, like Spider-Man, like he was an Avenger. He is, he is an Avenger. Like when you think of like the standard Avengers, Spider-Man isn't an Avenger, but he's like, he's chummy with them. You know, he's friends with them. So I'm just trying to explain it in ways people might understand. <laughs> the Marvel movies are so popular right now. Oh boy. <laughs> um, and then one last thing about Melf is um, uh, in addition, like he much like Tensor or Mordekainen or Big B, like he's also known for uh, writing you know, some in-canon works such as Treaties of the Universal Astronomy as well as Weapons of the Ether. So, uh, yeah, Melf is, uh, Melf is one of those kind of characters that uh, can be used um, pretty easily in uh, any campaign, you know, whereas opposed to like a, like a Tensor or a, a, or a Big B or Mordekane, when you're talking about like these big, like awesome wizards, you know, you kind of have to be dealing with some sort of um, like world shaking cataclysmic stuff. Whereas Melf, you know, even though he's a pretty powerful wizard in his own right, he seems like more approachable. Like, you know, in in a low to mid-level campaign, it'd be easier to, to explain Melf showing up than the aforementioned wizards. But yeah, those are some, uh, those are some old school, some OG characters for you. For episode 100 oh boy it's a lot of it's it's we promised the lore <laughs> here it is uh i will say i'm happy we finally got to drive into some ogs some and, og lore yeah yeah and the og lore doesn't stop here moving forward in the next couple of weeks we're going to dive into it sounds like a few bit more pieces of og lore well there was um there was some uh some information about Stranger Things season four that was confirmed by the Duffer brothers as the, as to who the uh, like who to expect in in the upcoming and final season. Spoiler alert, everybody! <laughs> um, and so we'll be covering that character next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a character that we've been tiptoeing around for a while. Oh no no and, no! No, you've been tiptoeing around for a while. <laughs> I've been ready. I love this character. Well, I mean, we've, I, I don't, I just say like, it's not that I haven't wanted to talk about him, but like, we've been talking about topics like that are adjacent to him. Oh, yeah. And, much. and then I was kind of, and when we were discussing like in our Ravenloft series, I was like, oh, we could definitely talk about this character. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Like, this character deserves their, ep- their own episode. Very influential throughout the D&D realms universe and time stream yeah so we'll be uh we'll be discussing we'll be discussing that next week very excited for it 
So, in the meantime, we have a magic item that's due. But this our, is the 100th episode. Yeah, I was, was going to say, it's not probably not our 100th magic item, but it no. is the 100th episode's magic item. It is so. the 100th episode's magic item. So, since it's special, special episode, we've talked about some very special characters. I have something very game-breaking and special today. I know. I'm going against the rules here. So, I, of course, I can't do utterly game-breaking. That would go against DM code. <laughs> right. But this is very game-breaking, and especially for those DMs in chat. You'll know it when I say it. We have a Talisman of Summoning. Okay. Mm, yes. But the summoning is none other than of one agent of the Circle of Eight. Yes. So you can use this talisman to summon one of your choice of eight individuals within the circle. However, you always have to wait for those drawbacks. The drawback is they can only be summoned in once per day and can only be summoned in for one round. Now, they take their action on their own turn at the end of the round, but... They're only summoned in for one turn. And they we are going to summon- make it count. And the, see, and the thing is, they're summoned in at the level that you choose. I so, choose level 100. Done. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be a level they've obtained during their lifetime. Right, right. So those are the rules. You can only summon them in once per day, or, well, according to D&D 5e rules, once per. Once per long rest, long rest, and you can only summon them in for one round. You must make a choice of only one individual to be summoned, and it must be summoned in at a level which they've obtained during their lifespan. Right, makes sense. So, that is our special magical item of the talisman of summoning. Talisman of summoning, nice. And like yeah, like I'm already thinking about how it'll look in the <laughs> magic items, and like that's that's the cutoff point right there. Boom, 100. That'll be the most recent magic mm-hmm. item in the in the in the book that we that we release. And I'm already thinking of how um, how it's going to be listed. Like uh, we'll have obviously like stat blocks for each of the mm-hmm. circle of eight, so you know like who you who you'd want to summon and why. <laughs> Daniel in chat looking he's looking for the talisman of summoning in his horde. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're we're going to obviously confer with the people that created these items to get the best you know appearance, you know, obviously the people who created these items have in their head what it looks like the best. So we're going oh, yeah, to try to get sure. it, we're going to try to get it rendered per their personal descriptions or their imagination. We're going to try to do everything we can to make this one of the best item books that you can get. Exactly. Like I said, if you or anyone you know um, has talent, has talent, uh, artistic talent, uh, I don't. I, I can't. Uh, I could barely draw a stick figure. Um, uh, let, like, are you interested in, in working on the project? Let us know. Like we um, obviously like, you know, uh, we don't want every single item to look completely different. We mm-hmm. want some sort of. Um, like uniformity throughout, but we also don't want, uh, we want, you know, to showcase as many talented artists as as possible. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, Sergio, 
or at the end of the show. We're here. So, Sergio, if we want to hang out with you some more, where can we come hang out with you and listen to your beautiful voice at? Arlington, Texas. <laughs> no. Come, come on. Come on. It's fine. It's it's, it's, it's getting fine. stupid hot right about now, and it's pretty miserable. No, if you... Um, if you, uh, yeah, text says it's feeling a bit endly. If you, uh, if you want to listen to some more of us, uh, well, we've got seven months uh, worth of D&D Lorecast episodes that Crit and I are both on. Mm. Um, if that isn't enough, if you want some more, some more Sergio, uh, I also co-host another podcast called Fandom University with my best friend and uh, award-winning playwright and author, Sean Hamill. Uh, he is the author of A Cosmology of Monsters out now on Pantheon Books, wherever books are sold. Uh, we go, we deep dive into uh, different facets of nerd, uh, nerddom and geekdom. Uh, we've done episodes on uh, Alien. We've done episodes on Resident Evil. We just finished up a episode, uh, a three-episode arc on uh, the Batman movies, um, in particular the the Tim Burton, the two Tim Burton movies. And the new movie, as well as a comic book series that just came out that acts as a sequel to Batman Returns. And that's all. We're all geared up uh, for our season finale. We have a two episode arc on Silent Hill that we're we're pretty excited about. We got some pretty um, we're not going to go like deep into the lore of the games. Um, It's not a Silent Hill lore cast. Um, but <laughs> playing the games and then watching the, um, the, the movies that came out the, as a result of the games and the comic books, uh, we've got some pretty good stuff to talk about. Like we're going to just work as a sneak preview of it. We're going to discuss video games as a medium of art and, um, how, you know, and then, you know, conversely how art when it becomes popular becomes commercialized and like, you know, how it becomes something that it wasn't intended to be. I'm excited for this one. <laughs> like man, playing silent Hill two was something else. Mm-hmm. Tech said that I need to start a wrestling lore cast. Do it. I might. I've had, I, I, <laughs> I've been itching to talk wrestling again, like in a more like <laughs> for, like a, in, a, in a formatted way than just like tweeting my just ramblings. Tweeting ramblings. So, what about you? You got stuff going got on. All kinds of stuff going on. So, I am gonna rapid fire some of these podcasts. Boop-boop. Do you like D and D? Yeah, of course you do, because you're here. Do you like live plays that are comedy based that are ridiculous? Yes. Of course yes. you do. Uh, who doesn't? So come listen to the Dungeons and Dragons uh, Fumbling 4 and the Almighty Crit live play because we're ridiculous. <laughs> Season 2 just started. Season 2. Electric Boogaloo. You'll only get that if you listen to the podcast. <laughs> so we have that one. We also have uh, Cyberpunked, our Cyberpunk Red live play podcast. I'm going to stop the focus fire real quick on that one because we have finished recording Season 1. <gasps> it isn't all out, but we have finished recording, and it did not end the way any of us anticipated. I'll just say oh, that. Wow. Uh, but moving forward into season two, it's going to be bigger, better, and we have a larger. Redder. We have a larger cast 
Interesting. Yes, we have. You and I have to discuss some stuff. <laughs> so in season two, we have, I believe, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six players in this one. Yeah. Yours truly is going to be the referee. Oh, nice. Season two. Um, it's going to be bigger, more action, more thrills, a lot of more of everything. So that's what we got focused fire on right now. Uh, stay tuned for that in the next couple months. Um, but right now we have our Resident Evil lore cast, which is going quite swimmingly well. Uh, we have just started the Legend of Zelda lore cast as well. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. the Knights of Darkness, which is the World of Darkness live play we do. Which I am finally caught up on. Ooh. You like Wayani? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> nah, nobody does. <laughs> uh, um, no, I mean, it's, man, and like, I don't want to like gas you up too much, but what I love about all the, like, all the different live plays that are part of the Fumbling 4 umbrella network or whatever, uh, they're all different. They all like, like Fumbling 4 is like absurdist, mm-hmm. you know, comedy cyberpunk and they all have elements of like comedy too oh them. yeah but yeah but cyberpunk you know is more like is heavier on the role plane than oh, anything yeah. and you know there are definitely like you know some combat um encounters but i feel like i know those characters like i know blitz and last rate and firefox better than i know the other characters i feel like they're actual people mm-hmm. like as, as much as like y'all have been role playing throughout season one uh, and then Mythos and Mysteries is like Mythos and Mysteries is just super spooky and creepy. And Knights of Darkness is like, you know, got that creepy element as well, but also like very like cool. Like, you know, like it makes me feel like I'm watching like Blade. <laughs> uh, yeah, we like like I said a long time ago, there is uh, enjoyment in different forms for every walk of life. And we want to make sure everybody gets some sort of enjoyment out of everything we do. So, you know, we, we've introduced a new type of horror in the Delta Green SCP Files podcast. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's more of a thrilling action horror versus the suspenseful action, you know, suspenseful horror that Call of Cthulhu offers. Um, every show has its little niche and it has its little bit of excitement for every walk of life. So there's something for you to enjoy under the umbrella of the Fumbling Four Network. Um, all the links to all the shows we do are always in the show notes, so go check them out. Um, we are in the process of getting Avatar Legends started back up, so that'll they're be starting it. to release the material. Yes, so we are going through it. We are combing it through it with a fine tooth comb, and we are ready to just about ready uh here soon i'd say shortly we're gonna start recording again and releasing episodes at the excitement of several of the avatar fans because we kind of left it on quite the cliffhanger (laughs) yeah i um yeah the the core rule book should be out here pretty soon Mm -hmm. so that was a long-winded ending i do apologize lovely listener (laughs) you got too many shows you got way too many shows so on that note, we should cut it short and say a very lovely thank you. Thank you for 100 episodes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for enjoying. 
Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for joining us on the Discord and, you know, sharing things on Twitter. And just just thank you for being a fan and a thank friend. You, yeah. Thank you for being a friend. Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, thanks for um, helping build up this community. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for 100, and here's to another 100. To 100 more. And with that, I say thank you, Sergio. Thank you, Crit. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.